and welcome to How to Win the Lottery, Episode 9, Open City, Teju Cole. I, I felt like, you know, that nine times we've done this now, I thought we had a tagline for a second, and I realized we don't. We This is just a podcast about books. Yeah, you should introduce me, though. You are. Well, last episode you were J.J. Abrams, or at least I was with J.J. Abrams. I don't know if you were. You're supposed to list my credits and and talk about what our, I... our first guest, ladies and gentlemen. He's a, you you know me love him. Uh, he's an adjunct professor at two universities. Don't say the university. Blank and blank. Uh, we've got uh, he is um, talk about my looks. Third talk to- about three time runner up. People's sexiest man alive. Never took the. Uh, I'm asking to put that microphone on the ground because it just gets all wobbly and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, professional microphone handler. Professional microphone handler, but three-time runner-up, people's most sexiest man of the year. Most Sex haver. Se- Oof, wow, that is news to me. It's <laughs> uh, also inaccurate. Seventh place in last year's Kentucky Derby as both the jockey and the horse. Mm. Surprisingly mm. enough, we have Bobby Fisher. Hello, Bob. Hey, what up? I'm Joey Lewandowski. Bob, today we're talking about Open City. What is Open City about? It is. Um, it's actually. It's a really, really hard book to describe yeah. what it's about. It is about a Nigerian American psychoanalyst. They're gonna stop after Psycho. I think in, almost more than any other book, it fits in with our our theme of trauma and processing pain in the way that we've been hurt by it. Sure, um, and the way that we hurt others. Um, and the way we heard of because be, uh, because it is it is essentially a book that is like starts out being about his like wanderings through the city yeah right it, it's very very much in line with guy de, uh, guy guy de board and the uh, the situationist concept of derive which is a sort of um, unfocused wandering through an urban landscape where you allow instinct instead of cultural signifiers and things guide you on your journey um and in doing so like as he's walking through the city because a lot of this book is like descriptions of like where shit is in the city right? then i turned left on 181st street <laughs> yeah exactly I walked down the street until i turned right and i was on 186th street yeah and it's like like so much of it is about him like walking for miles and miles and yep. miles and allowing his like thoughts to sort of shape his journey and for his journey to shape his thoughts yep so you like this book, and then you read it again. You love this book. Uh, yeah, I really love this book. I think it's great. I also should say in advance, I taught this book once, and it is, I think, the book that students of mine have hated the most. This is my of, least favorite book this season. Out of, out of all of the books that I've ever uh, taught, this is the one that they were just like, what the fuck is this? We're like, what the fuck are we doing? Why are we reading this? What's the point? I like this book. I didn't love this book, but I liked this book for a while because mm-hmm. I was I was into it. And I think it's an interesting follow-up to Duck's Newberry Port because they're very similar in ways. They're both very internal in ways. I think they're, you know, it's it's interesting sort of perception of cultural events and stuff through the eyes and mind of one person. I think spiritually it's way closer to Colorist Sukuru Tazaki. Well, also, yeah, because the end, the final chapter here, well, instead of him looking at trains, is just him at a concert. But even even aside from that, I think, like, there's a flatness to the prose, a flatness to the affect of the of the narrator yeah. that sort of mirrors that. So I'm, I'm on board to a certain extent because I'm like, this is going somewhere. And then it doesn't go anywhere, and I'm like... Nah. Why does it have to go somewhere? What's the... Because I didn't... It doesn't have to go somewhere, but if I'm interested in the journey... Like, I know it doesn't have to be about the destination, but if I don't yeah. care about the journey or the destination, I'm not going to like the ride. Right. So I think it's I think it's mimicking that that uh, uh, concept of Derive, where it's just like... It's, it's not about... It's not about the journey or the destination. It's about, like, 
going with the flow. It's about it's about getting caught up in in nothing but like instinct and, and allowing like these various triggers to like bring a bring things to the surface in you. Yeah, I, I see that. I also think that I'm not educated enough to really appreciate this book. Yeah, I don't. I I, I was wondering if that was something because I'm not either. Really, like it's not like the stuff that he's talking about is not stuff that I know about the historical things that. He, but you know much more about it than I do. Maybe that's true. I I I'm, I'm not even sure that it is because so much of it is about classical music and and different like. Uh, like there's a lot of history in it. There's that. There's also he goes to Brussels for a while, and they're talking about like uh, people, the way that people perceive Jews versus the way that people perceive Muslims, and sure. about nine eleven and Al Qaeda and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't have like, a, like I know this stuff because I'm, I've been alive, but like, it's that's not something that has ever been of interest to you, like the, those sort of cultural perceptions. I don't know, like not to the point where I ever researched it, okay. and I just feel like there's these. So com- then, yes, I I do know a lot yeah, more about exactly. this than you do. But I feel like so much of this book is him kind of recounting. Because the other thing is the that the style is a little frustrating to me in that like there's no actual dialogue. It's all just like it's not one paragraph like Ducks is, but it's just him remembering a conversation essentially, yeah. or yeah. it seems like that. And he's like, and then he said this, and it's just uh-huh. like it and. I just, it was hard for me to kind of engage with it in that way. And it's essentially, you know, you're at a dinner conversation with him and a couple people, and they're talking about things that I'm like, oh, I would have tuned out. Like, I just, I, I would have, like, gone on my phone or something. You know what I mean? But I'm just, I'm reading the book, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So you're, you are mimicking the process that my students had in, in their, when they were reading this book. I guess so. Where they also checked out and were looking at their phones the entire time. And then to top it off at the end. Well, let's, let's get to the end when we get to the end. Well, the end. And then just like, when we get there, just like, oh no, I like this guy even less now. Okay. So you had a problem with him. Well, I just, I thought he was boring. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought that he, I didn't get a sense of who he was. Like, I think the ducks, we learn about the woman through the way that she views the world. This guy just sort of seems like a sponge, but like, kind of like more of like a mirror. Well, he has an almost anti-identity in that he, um, like throughout the book, he's constantly connecting with other um, Africans, yeah. right, in, in New York City. And they're always like... Hey, recognizing yeah. him and and recognizing him as, as an African and he's like kind of getting pissed off and being yeah. like why like what do we have to do with each other just because we're from the same continent right. not not even the same country because um, he's he's like rejecting that sort of identity which is like po- possibly like a privilege of his to have since he is in like an extraordinarily uh, like he's he's well off he's he lives in like in the academic world where uh, racism is certainly present, but it's like um, it exists as, as a, a function of like microaggressions and things like that for the most part, rather than like the the uh, aggressions that like a taxi driver or a post office clerk have to deal with. Right. You know, so he feels divorced from them from a struggle point of view. I, I'm, I'm imagining because when like the the post office clerk tries to connect to him through poetry, like he's just like, oh, what the fuck? Like what? Is, like, no, I'm not going to go see you perform poetry. And he gets like super pissed off at the cab driver for like calling him brother and yeah. stuff like that. And, like, yeah, yeah. So he he like he almost doesn't really like his Nigerian identity because he's also German. He's a German Nigerian. Right? Mm-hmm. His mom's German. His dad's Nigerian. He doesn't seem to identify with with the um, the black part of his identity really right terribly much. And I feel like a lot of the books this season have 
like the the central conflict and the theme of this and what, what you've done a good job of like picking up thematically is like the way that past trauma has changed the narrator, mm-hmm. changed the main main characters. But here, like his trauma seems, I'm not saying insignificant, but like he goes to school, yeah, um, and like he wants to. You know, impress his dad or whatever. So he goes to the school that his dad wants him to go to, and then his dad dies, which a lot of dead parents this season. It's like a, sure. pix, a book, uh, a season of Pixar movies. Okay. And then while he's at school, you know, he gets caned for accidentally stealing a newspaper, for instance. That just turns into like a like a cult hero kind of. They're like, oh, look at this guy. He did this thing or whatever. Yeah. And I just feel like there's probably a reason for that, or there's probably something there. But I just feel like he kind of just backs his way into success, and I don't see a reason for it. Like, we don't get an, an impression that, like, he works hard or he's good at things. And I'm not saying you, like, have to be. He seems pretty smart. Is he smart or is he cultured? And are those different? Well, I, I, I mean, certainly, like, cultured people trick other people into thinking that they're smart all the time. Because, like, I don't think, because especially, you know, so in Brussels, there's that, like, long dinner we're talking about Palestine and Al-Qaeda and stuff with Farouk and Khalil at the dinner, right? Yeah. I don't think the, the protagonist says a single thing. He's just like, whoa, like, he, oh, hey, hey. I, no, he, I, he pushes back against them and he's a little pissed off. Does he? Right. Well, but he also, like, thinks he's like, yeah, but I'm just playing the part of the outraged well, American. He, he's, also, he's also, like, uh, uh, maybe doesn't really have that much of a leg to stand on in that conversation, right? True. Because he is not someone who's suffering through e- any of those consequences, right. really. But I just feel like that's emblematic of the entire thing, kind of, that he's just, he finds himself in situations. Well, what, so what I'll say is that I don't think it's so much about his trauma. I, I don't think his trauma is necessarily so important to the cultural text. trauma. Because every single person that he comes across has this background of genocide or a yeah. background of, of revolution that they were uh, a part in or are dealing with the the, the, the splash of, of uh, a, a cultural trauma or they were interned in, in uh, the, the Japanese concentration camps. During World War II, or, yeah. Um, you know, any, or, or their, their child died. Um, or any number of these things that like he moves from place to place and every single person that he talks to has their own like trauma that goes runs a lot deeper than his trauma that, that we that we view from, you know, whatever he gives us. Right. It feels like a series of vignettes with people more interested in the protagonist and then we like leave them and we follow the boring guy. To another <laughs> I, person. I, yeah, I think that's possible. I think that's like not untrue, but it's also I'm OK with that, especially because I think it reflects his job as like a, a, a what is he? Is he a, a therapist? Psychoanalyst or psycho, something? Psycho, Maybe that's what you said. Psychologist? Psychiatrist? Psychiatrist. Yeah, I don't know the difference in any of those things. One I. of them can. One can prescribe medicine yeah. and one can't. Like the book is sort of mimicking his his job, where he's like a person who's not particularly empathetic, which is makes it interesting because right. he's like this guy that's meant to deal with and help depressed people and people who have been traumatized. But every time that he like confronts another person who has a trauma, he kind of is just like, okay, yeah, all right, let's like whatever, like let me move on. And then when he when in his you know professionally, he just like talks shit about his patients, like. Yeah, like, but that, I, I think, I'm sure that also happens yeah. across, like, just a lot of people right. do that, I'm sure. Just like, ugh, I got to complain about work somehow. And just like Mr. F or Mr. V or Mrs. V or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, that's not even, I mean, not even with psych, psychiatrists or whatever. Like, that's true everywhere. Yeah. Everyone talks shit about everyone that they work with everywhere. It's true. I'm just frustrated because I felt, I was hoping it was going to build to something, and it never really did either. 
in terms of what was actually happening or what he learned. Like, I don't think he's a different person by the end than he was at the beginning. I don't think the the revelation that he yeah. either learns or remembers or unrepresses or whatever verb you want to use changes him. I don't think it changes him at all. I don't even think he he, he doesn't even acknowledge it. No. He, he just, he doesn't acknowledge. Okay, so he, about halfway through the book, he meets a, uh, a girl that he knew when he was a kid named Moji. Um, she confronts him in a supermarket. But um, so she's like, you remember me? And he like, it takes some prompting. And she like says like, oh, my brother, you hung out with my brother, blah, blah, blah. And he remembers her brother, but he only like kind of remembers her. She's from the year above him. And they start hanging out a little bit. She talks to him on the phone a little bit. And she's, uh, and he's always got the sense that she's like kind of bitter. She, there's something like angry about her toward him. And then he goes to a party at the very end of the book. Uh, This is like literally in the last 10 pages of the book, right? No, the concert's the last 10 pages. This is, like, right before that. Okay. So like, it's, like, the next last thing that happens. Because, like, this is, like, really the last thing that happens. And then he goes and watches a concert and talks about dead birds. And, like, yeah, that's the actual He gets locked out. And it's, he almost falls off the fire escape. Um, he should have. This is very... That's, like, a very, like, action movie scene. Like, if, if you, like, end the movie with that, it's, like, got this, like, action movie thing of, like, a, a lone man on a rainy fire escape trying to climb down the... the uh, the thing and he might fall into but because he just walked death. out the wrong door yeah he just goes back in it's like a mr bean thing okay so um oh man imagine if they made this movie starring mr bean holy shit <laughs> as a german nigerian man. well no you'd have to cut that you'd have to change the story significantly i'm not interested in seeing rowan atkinson in blackface so uh he goes he goes to a party with moji at the at the very end i think the party is maybe even at moji's house with her and her boyfriend right i think so and they are up all night um listening to music he has a good time he's talking to various people and he's sitting on the uh on the balcony at the end and moji comes out and she goes so i've meaning to talk to you um when we were kids you you raped me yeah. and he doesn't respond she's just like i i don't know why i've been kind to you while we were here i don't i don't know why i've been calling you and talking to you and inviting you to parties but i want you to know that you did this and i know you did this and it really messed me up. And it, yeah, and it totally fucked me up. Um and he leaves the party and walks home. Yeah. And and does not acknowledge that she does not acknowledge the truth, doesn't uh, of it, doesn't deny it, doesn't it it never comes up again. Yeah, once he leaves the party cuz it's all in his head, he doesn't even think about it again. He doesn't even mention it. Which which is frustrating that like we're in the mind of a psychopath. Yeah, I guess so. And there's no like hint of that earlier other than like the fact that I guess he has no emotions or whatever. Like maybe we should have seen it coming. Yeah. He doesn't seem to, um, he doesn't seem to react to things in any, in any kind of, you know, the, the book is tonally all the same. Even even when when he's describing himself getting the shit kicked out of him, because he gets jumped by, um, I think three young kids, Yep. which are, it's funny because like the whole book, he's denying this cultural, attachment that he has to other people in in his uh society like he 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 anytime that like a black person recognizes him um he kind of like ignores them or he doesn't want to be identified with them he comes across these three kids who are walking down the street and he like acknowledges them he like does the little upward chin tilt to like say what's up to them and they smile back and say what's up to him and then like once and he feels like that solidarity like a brief thing of solidarity and then they just beat the shit out of well, him. Well, like he, he like runs into them again and he does it again. They don't respond. And yeah. then all of a sudden they jump him and a third kid comes up and they all rob him and beat him up. And, yeah, they take his money and his yeah. phone and stuff like that. So it's interesting when he when he does seek that solidarity, he's he's uh, he gets punished for it. 
punished for it. I don't, he's not being punished for that, but it's like, you know, the punishment comes like next to it. How do we get there from? Oh, oh, because because tonally it's all the same, right? He 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 describes that beating with the same detachment that he describes, you know, a movement in a symphony or his search for his oma or the caning that he takes. Because I think to a certain extent, like just like uh, the boy who loves trains, he might be autistic, possibly, or at least not have emotion. Like it's just it's unclear if there's a diagnosis or something. But he does not feel like he has interpersonal connections. Like he talks about his ex girlfriend. Yeah. But I also, you don't get the sense that, like, they might not have been, like, he might have dated her for, like, a couple of weeks and, like, have, like, all these memories, this history with her. And I don't I don't know. Like, we don't really yeah, have he, a... he seems relatively unemotional when she breaks up with him, too. Yeah. He calls her to try to, uh, what is the thing? He, like, calls her to try to, to, it's, he, like, really early in the morning. Well, he tells her that Saito, the professor, died. That's right. Yeah. And she's like, hey, man, I'm engaged to be married yeah and we can't do this anymore basically and he's like oh he's like well at least it was good that i you know that one door closed and i don't have to worry about that anymore it's like yeah okay like that's one way to like (laughs) yeah you know she died i guess i don't have to like you know go over her house anymore just like well that's not you know that shouldn't be the takeaway right Mm -hmm. but you know but he like in terms of like his history he only really talks like in terms of non-family he only talks about her and like it's minimal like he and his mother don't have a good relationship. I was like, I, th- I think the most tragic thing that like is is described most emotionally for him is him not being allowed to have a soda when he wants when he's a kid. I, I like that little act of rebellion when the power goes out and he just takes a coke. Yeah, but like that's the one thing where like I'm reading that I'm just like, oh, he feel it feels like he was hurt by this and yeah. like he plans his future where he's like, when I grow up, I'm gonna have soda whenever I want to every day, every single day for every meal, I'm gonna have soda. It's like, man, that's gonna be bad for your teeth. And don't, body. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah you're going gonna to get diabetes. I know. I mean, I don't have diabetes, but I drink a lot of soda. Like Fife Dog from Tribe Called Quest, <laughs> who is dead because of that. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, he had diabetes, but he, he like, used to rap about how much he likes soda all the time. You're looking at your phone now. What's going no, on? No, I'm just, I'm downloading the image to send to Matt later. Oh, yeah. That's right. Because I already, like, I ran out of things, because, again, like, it wasn't something that I actively disliked, Mm -hmm. but I was waiting for something, and I didn't know what that thing was. And I think, you know, why I wound up liking Colorless Suguro Tazaki a little bit more is because I can identify what I don't like about it. That, like, I wish that it was more supernatural. Yeah. But I feel like this is ambiguous, and I can't put my finger on why I don't really like it. You wish that it was more supernatural. You wish there were a vampire in this book. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just something where, like, lessons are learned or there's growth. Okay, I feel the exact opposite. And I know. Th- and this is, this is the, like... Um, well, this is also how you don't want uh, movies to end well. But but also how we uh, uh, disagreed on Duck's Newburyport, right? Is that, yes. is that like, the, one of the things that you liked about it was that it, like, sort of ties itself up in a very novelistic fashion. I didn't like that, but I didn't dislike that. But I, uh, but I didn't want that. I wanted right. the tension to remain at the end because it feels significantly more like the way that we deal with things. In sure, but there's no tension here. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't tense in reading this. I guess that's true. I guess there's not that much tension. But I think that that's okay, too. Like, what, what, what do you like about this? I mean, aside from the stuff that we've talked about, I think one of the one of the big things that I like about it is the like juxtaposition between high and low culture, right? We, we always move between this. I, if you want to call war and things like genocide low culture, I don't, I, like, I don't know. It's, it's not like when, when we say low culture, often we're talking about like dick and fart jokes and things like that. But like really like like the basest aspect of humanity are things like murder and stuff like that. And it it is this constant movement between 
Like he's going to museums and he's going to symphonies. And then he everybody that he's talking about has this deep well of trauma that goes that goes with them. Mm-hmm. And he is seems to uh, uh, talk about them in the same in the same tones. But he also seems to to care so much more about the art stuff than about the the horrific things that all of his all everybody that he confronts in this book uh, comes across. But also then we learn at the end, since he's part of this high culture, he's part of this like group of people that is like, you know, the symphony goers, the museum goers, the people who speak articulately about art and essentially part of high society. He is also one of the people that is engaging in this trauma, right? He like the, like um, the United States and in the war on terror or like Al Qaeda in the, in their, uh, in the World Trade Center attacks or, or, or um, the United States interning Japanese Americans like he is a rapist, right? And, and so like he, he exists in this place of high culture, but he's also like committing this horrific act. And there's something about that, the juxtaposition of that, where it's like you're almost not thinking that he is like a part of that world because of this other world that he's constructed for himself. Um, so he's like largely like a passive perpetrator of oppression, for sure, yeah. Just based on his cultural status. Yeah. And and and, and not a passive perpetrator of oppression. He well, is, yes, he is as, like, a, as, a, as a child or as a teenager, and then maybe other times that we don't know. Yeah, but also there's something, like, fascinating with the way that the Moji stuff plays out to me, which is that he, I think it's a thing that doesn't get talked about that much in when we talk about sexual assault or when we talk about, like, uh, Me Too stuff or anything like that. Um, and it should be, which is that, like... A lot of times, what is the worst thing that's ever happened to somebody? What is the worst night of someone's life? As, like when we're talking about things like sexual assault and stuff like that, is something that like the other side doesn't even acknowledge is what that is at all, right? Like he doesn't even realize or or think of that as something that he did. Um, and if he does, he can like brush it under the carpet so quickly because he doesn't feel morally culpable for it. Now, we don't know. It doesn't seem like he feels morally culpable for anything throughout the entire text, or maybe he doesn't even believe in moral culpability. Who knows? But the way that, Moji's story is presented and the way that he reacts to Moji's story, I think is like a hardline realism that we don't usually get around those stories. Like if she's not going to the police, that is how that story goes. And if she goes to the police, that might still be how that story goes, right? Like she says, you did this thing to me. And he just goes, shrugs his shoulders. Yeah. And walks away. Like he doesn't even acknowledge. So you like that there's no there's there's effectively throughout this entire thing no punishment. That no one is ever held accountable for their crimes. Yeah, the United States is not held accountable for its crimes. Um So you like that it feels real that bad people get away with things. It it shines a light on that. Yeah, or that bad people are not even acknowledged as bad people, right? Bad people are still like functional members of society that are not that are not um even acknowledged as being bad. And they and they can talk articulately about, you know, Bach or, or Chekhov or something like that. I feel like the Moji conversation, accusation, revelation, whatever you want to call it, was a pivot point for the book and for how I felt about it. Yeah, it's an, it's an anvil. Because right? I was like, oh, this completely changes. Like, I didn't like the guy already, but now he's a monster. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, there's one more chapter left. Let's see where this goes. And then he just fucking, he literally spends 10 pages talking about, like, what it sounds like in overtures, like, the history of this, and then the history of, like, the, the Statue of Liberty and how birds are getting killed Because that's his life. And I was just like, 
oh, I'm, I'm, because, because his life is so much more those things than it is the fact that he did this atrocity when he was a kid. It, the, the thing that he did did not shape him at all. Sure. Right. What shaped him was coming to America and becoming culturally educated. Um, I mean, he was, you know, culturally educated beforehand, but like, uh, you know, learning significant things about about symphonies and stuff like that and and the history of the statue of liberty and different anthropological facts and so like when he walks away from being accused of this thing his mind doesn't go back to that thing because that was not important to him what's important to him is let's talk about you know high art yeah right it's it's his it's his escape from from whatever i don't know why i thought of this comparison and i don't know if it's fair to either thing but i feel like something that does something similar and you could also be like i don't see the comparison at all i'd be like yeah okay fine but like in terms of a satire or a jab at high culture you take something like american psycho which Uh goes way over the top as opposed to this which is like way under the top yeah this is very subtle but they're both saying like oh look rich people or like well-off people or civilized or whatever people are actually monsters underneath and I feel like one does that effectively and in a, in a satisfying manner, pulpy, but satisfying. And then this is, I think, I don't know if it's the same goal, but I think that they have similar ends. Maybe, maybe. And this just like, this maybe is more real, but that's yeah. why it's, maybe I, 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 probably why part of why I don't like it is because it does feel real and is defeating. Yeah, it does. It doesn't. It doesn't lean into narrative conventions, and so it doesn't satisfy the, those high art parts of ourselves that look for those things, right? right? And instead, it looks to uh, the, that derive, right? The 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 wandering. Yeah. Instead of instead of having a path, a journey that we've decided on in the beginning, and we go to, we decide not to decide, and we allow. Uh, whatever movement exists inside of us or cultural signifiers draw us along the way, allow that to define our path. And we, we move according to that. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about this book? Anything else of, of note? Do you, wait, how, how do you feel about this being made into a film? Does it work at all? Is it, or is it not? It's not. As far as I know, it's not. I think you could, I think it's probably easier to do than a handful of other books that we've done this season. Yeah. Because it's just him going from place to place right. and then talking to, to people. And then those people like being like, hey, here's a thing that happened from to me in my past. Right. It, 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 it would be very low budget, right? Yeah. I've probably seen movies like this. I wouldn't like this movie. No? I don't think so. I think, I think, it, could, I think it could work. Who would, is there somebody? Because I don't know. I don't have any sense of who this guy is. Yeah. Like who I would cast other than he's like a 33 year old ish. He's 33? I, I think I think so. In that ballpark. Yeah. Uh, black man living in New York. I don't know anything else about him, really. Yeah. I mean, he's. I, I think he's relatively handsome. But he's also not like so handsome that like that becomes a defining characteristic. No. I would say, you know, maybe it's just because of, uh, you know, I got Candyman on the brain, but maybe uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen. Sure. He's hot right now. Um, yeah, he's hot. He's he's always been hot. Handsome man. Is there is there a type of director that you would attach to this? Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure. Uh, Wim Wenders. Uh, Vim because it's a W. It's German. Vim Wenders. Right? Um, sorry for that uh, high culture correction there. <laughs> well, you said something before, and I was like, remember how I mispronounced Ennui as Nui earlier <laughs> this season? Yeah, that's right. I was cruel to you about that, and no, I regret nothing. Appropriately so. Um. Yeah, well, I think it would just be someone that ha- could, you know, you know what I would do? I would, I would get a, uh, 
I think the most important thing here would be to get a foreign cinematographer, someone that's not American-born, so that they could look upon New York City in a way that is... An outsider POV. Yeah, Yeah. you have have a different view of New York, so it seems like something fresh and new. Because we've seen New York captured on film so many times. Um, You'd have to get someone that was like... You know, you get like a Turkish cinematographer or something, someone from the from a place that looks nothing like New York. Sure. Uh, maybe the guy that did Once Upon a Time in Anatolia. Have you seen that movie? Is that that coming like five years ago? Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Very, very slow moving. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't like nothing happens really. A guy just driving the car back. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah. So maybe that because I think it would be a slow movie. Maybe get the director of that too. Sure. I don't remember the director's name. I don't know either. You want to call Matt? Is he probably eating dinner now? Well, I, I don't think that it matters, but you could, yeah, give, give him a try. He's on vacation, I think. Is he back on vacation? I don't know. Hey, you're on with How to Win the Lottery. Did we catch you at a bad time? Okay, cool. I'm doing dishes. Oh, perfect. It's the best time. Yeah. Well, welcome back to the podcast. That's the chores. Yeah, good to be back. Are you still on vacation? No, you got back uh, yesterday. Okay, cool. Back, so to the gr- the back to the grind, right? Am I right? Yeah. yeah. The, the day new mom. I do the laundry. There you go. Dishes, empty the litter box. Say hi to the cat. How's, how's Pepper doing? Well, she... You know, when we go on vacation years ago, we would pay somebody to come and check on her and give her food and stuff. And now we just go. So she's really sad when we come home. And she's actually nice to us because she's she's been lonely. So she's in, she's in a good phase right now. She's a she's a for the listeners. Uh, Pepper is a notoriously shitty cat. Um, yeah. But but I'm I'm glad to hear that she's doing well. All right, Matt. I'm gonna text yeah. you a, uh, a a picture of the cover of this book. And we can see what you think of it. It's a book that Bob and I have a very split opinion on, but I do like the cover art. I like that Matt and I have not texted one-on-one since I sent him Ducks last week, so Ducks and then Open City. <laughs> well, we got the group text, so there's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. also, I've been, I've been pretty uh, not communication-wise on account of said vacation. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, no, no offense. And uh, what's, your, what's your listenership looking like? like am I gonna, I'm just going to generate any kind of like... Uh, you know, like animal sensitivity. Uh, no, I think our, our our listenership. They like we we're always fielding emails where people are writing in, going like "fuck animals" and like <laughs> we should eat more animals and like I I, I want a club seal. So yeah, I think you're good. Cool. So the book, once again, in case you're just tuning in, is "Open City" by Teju Cole. Covers a nice yellow cover with an orange bird outline on it. He is an art critic for the New Yorker, I believe. Uh, he writes. He's the photography critic, I think, also for the New Yorker. Okay. The author is. The author. Yeah. Yeah. Can you call? Is this about uh, Nan King or something? No. Nan King. Yeah, isn't it like when we come to Open City when like uh, it, like it's kind of like after martial law, or, or am I? I don't know exactly what it is, but when I when I wikied it before. The first, like, there's there's a term, and I think in in society or in whatever that's called open city. Let me look that up as you as you feedback. This is something that I'm unfamiliar with, so you're bringing new info to the table for me. Well, yeah, because I mean, you know, it, this is cool. Watercolor is always cool. You know, like watercolor type. It looks like a note 
I think I'm like an illicit note, maybe, rained on or something, and it looks like it's stained. So it kind of looks like, uh, I don't know. It's cool. I, I like this one. This is probably my favorite cover that you guys have shared so far. No kidding. In war, an open city is a settlement which has announced it has abandoned all defensive efforts, generally in the event of the imminent capture of the city to avoid destruction. Once the city has declared itself an open city, the opposing military will be expected to peacefully occupy the city rather than destroy it. The concept aims to protect the city's civilians and cultural landmarks from a battle which may be futile. Yeah, there you have it. Yeah, so Matt knew that because he has more shit about war than we do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I was I was watching a like a forty minute long YouTube video about Napoleon's retreat from Russia just last night. <laughs> really flexing my dad bona fides. Um, but yeah, so with that in mind, like that, that's what I mean. Like it feels like a you know, maybe some kind of like note passed around by some underground resistance. You know, maybe that's some kind of it's like a kind of like a harrowing dove. You know, like a peace dove. But this dove particularly looks like it's. So now if you had to give this a verdict, what's your ruling and what is the crime it is guilty or not guilty of? Well, you know, as, as far as that's concerned, like, you, you have to tell me what the book is before I can, I can say that because you can judge this thing uh, objectively as, like a, as a design, but that's not its function. It has to communicate what the book actually is and entice you to want to read so, Even though you are judging a book by its cover. I thought that was a tongue-in-cheek title. It is. It is. <laughs> Joey's misinterpreting his own uh, his own segment here. Um, it is tongue-in-cheek. You're correct. The, the, the book is, is about like an academic guy who, who sort of uh, goes on uh, aimless wanderings through the city and, and through, through New York City. And during his wanderings comes across many people, uh, m- most of whom have traumatic pasts, many of which have to do with war and things like that. He's a Nigerian-American uh, immigrant. And um, as it goes on, we learn that he has his own trauma from the past. Um, there's no literal war in it, but it is um, like a return to, to that sort of theme over and over again. So that's a very cool book title, then. Yeah. It added yeah, to my I understanding like of the book, which which I, I did, hadn't, for some reason, like, I stupidly didn't even think to Google what Omen City might mean. Well, I, I like it, I like it then for that reason as well, because it's, if, if it's not an illicit note, it looks like a post-no-bill kind of sign, spin up, you know, some kind of communication that was maybe sharp and then has got, since gotten rained on and, you know, weathered and forgotten and such. Very New York kind of a thing, right? Yeah. So I like it. And maybe that's a pigeon instead of a dove. Aren't pigeons related to doves? Like, aren't they kind of, aren't they like the same thing? Yeah, dove's a kind of pigeon, I think. So, yeah, so New York uh, sadness and war stuff kind of both represented here. Uh, it's good. Yeah, definitely my favorite so far. Okay. Especially nice. As I, especially as I look back, since, like you said, the back to back text of this and the Sucks Newberry Port. Like, they're both very bookish designs, and I feel like this one just has, like, so much more emotion and, like, you know, it's a handcrafted execution. It just, it, it should draw in the reader a lot more than, than the other one, even. So what, is, yeah. your, what, what is your ruling? Innocent of all charges. Okay. There you go. All right. Give this, give this, uh, give this book its, its 
his personal belongings back and set it free immediately. Like get home and say hi to his forgotten cat. <laughs> yeah, well, good job, uh, whoever designed this one. Yeah, we should look that up and then, and then give credit cold. to the designers as we as we go along. But, I'll figure that out. Yeah, I, I'll advocate for that as a as a designer. The uh, the next one, we'll just send him one that's just like, now a major motion picture, and just a picture of Andrew Garfield and Carrie Mulligan. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of this? A frame from the movie. <laughs> well, those are the, the most effective ways to... Oh, 100%. I, no, not for me. I would never... I've In in my life, I have always avoided buying... Me too. Uh, books but, that yeah. have, but it's effective. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I mean, to, to, to get people to, to buy it. You think I people aren't buying you. Dune with a picture of Timothy Chalamet on there? Get out of here. They're, of course they're buying that. Yeah, it, like but you read a lot. It, well, you both read a lot, I guess. Is it like I always kind of think of it? It's, it's embarrassing to be reading a book. With it absolutely is. Cover. Yeah. Well, because I, I also think there's like a, there's a level of credit that's like, oh no, I I had this book before it was a movie. Even if you like are buying it because right. it's a movie or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and I would totally do that. I would I would totally watch the movie and then want to read the book and then make sure that I would even pay extra for the older version just so I seem cooler than I am. I, I'm with you 100%. So is this a movie? Well, you guys will get into this. I'll just listen to it when it's posted. Are you going to hang up and listen? Yeah, I'll, I'll hang up and wait a month and a half. <laughs> this one should be out in a couple of weeks. We're, we're not that far ahead anymore. Because we, uh, you know, the last book took us, you know, a, a month plus to read. So we, you know, we were gearing up for that. But this one should be out relatively soon-ish. I'll refresh my RSS feed. Perfect. Thank you, Matt. Later, guys. All right, say hi to Pepper. Oh, she's right here. Hold on, Pepper. Can you vocalize? Pepper. Hey. Hey. Ah. Ah. No, no. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> was, was that the cat burping? In the... I think he probably, like, reached for her and she ran away or something. Okay. find open city hold on open city cover graphic designer how to design a book cover the ultimate guide open city design co yeah i don't know this is just something that should go in the show notes probably if we have show notes i don't even know what that is i've just heard other people say it on podcasts <laughs> before you want to read the uh, email from egg yeah let's go to the mailbag lottery at cage me if you want to write in please and thank you yeah we got to get more we got to get more people writing and especially now that we have that we got that amber tamlin bump yeah, we. I mean, we know people are listening, and just people aren't writing in. So if you want, again, thoughts about any book, yeah, lottery at Cage Club. Also, send nudes. Uh, men, women, doesn't matter. I, I, I would love to see some some dudes with their butt cheeks spread. I'm just kidding. Don't send nudes. That was a joke. That's also fine. Meg's reaction to Open City. Open City read like a book I would have been assigned in grad school. It's the first one of the season. And I highlighted and wrote some little notes. The language in the beginning felt beautiful, but as the novel went on, I realized that the academic language was just being used to create distance between the narrator and the audience. It added a great de- note. Great note, Meg. At some point, I need you to stop complimenting Meg because I can't have her replace me. It added, you own all the microphones on the laptop and do the work. If 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 Meg if Meg buys microphones, a laptop, and learns how to edit, you're out of here, buddy. Cool. It added a density with distance, using language to obscure rather than illuminate. He dwelt a lot on the stories of other people. She also talks to you about this, and so I'm sure just the way that her thoughts rub off on you, your thoughts rub off on her. So you're like basically to a certain extent agreeing with yourself. 
I, I think that is um, undermining both myself and Meg and uh, and uh, I'm just trying to defend myself, man. Yeah, we might kill you. We might gang. We might kill and eat you. He dwelt a lot on the stories of other people, but when it came to his own, they had almost a curt, matter-of-fact quality, and everything had the same tone. He spoke the same about him going to the opera as he did when he got jumped by those kids. Yeah, don't say like you thought, because you, <laughs> you guys talked about it. We didn't. Another aspect of this novel that stuck out to me was the unspoken. Like when Seth has to get rid of the mattresses in his apartment, and he asked Julius if there were any... Oh, the bedbugs. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about bedbugs at all during our thing, but that's that's something that we should. As readers, we clearly know that he has them from when he visited Dr. Saito, but he just says that he didn't notice them, but then mentions to the reader that his friend mentioned having them before moving away. Another thing about Unsaid, who was his friend? Almost everyone else is named in the novel, even the woman he spoke with on the plane. Why leave a seemingly co- close friend unnamed? I believe that the trip to Brussels also plays into this. He goes to look for his Oma, grandmother, but then gives up a few after a few Google searches. It feels like something else was up. Yeah, that's something that we didn't really talk about either, huh? How do you how do you feel about it? He sucks. <laughs> you just think he he's not like uh, he I don't think he's committed to things. Right. I think to a certain extent it's kind of like Sacrament where he's like, I'm going over there to do a thing to say that I, t- I went to Brussels for a while. Like I took 4 weeks and went to Brussels. It's like, yeah, what'd you do? He's like, I don't know, I went to an internet cafe a bunch. <laughs> yeah. And he he he, he uh, uh, hooked up with a lady while he was there. Cool. And he made friends with an old lady on the plane. Yeah, on the way back, right? Or on the way there? Oh, on the way there. On and the then he there. went to dinner with her when he was yeah. there. The ending reveal was very jarring, but still told in the same manner as everything else. Moji's accusation of Julius raping her. It was in line with the rest of the novel, however, because it was something at the tail end of the second to last chapter. Not much attention is paid to it. But it retroactively affects the entire rest of the novel... This is her agreeing with me, sort of. Joey just sort of like puffed out his chest like he was a bird and spread his legs like he was he like he was one of those birds that's trying to seduce me. I did what you did back to you. The mating ritual has begun, <laughs> particularly the scene where he has sex with that woman in Brussels. All in all, I think I liked it. Uh, wait, why did you puff out your chest and do the thing? Because she was agreeing with me about how it like it retroactively affects the way that you think about the rest of the novel. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like if if. That scene with Moji happened first thing. The book would be like completely, completely different, right? Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. Like the the structure of the book that 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 has to happen at the end so that it does retroactively color everything. If that happens at the beginning of the book, then you, you it's the opposite of save the cat, whatever. Kill the cat. Moment. Yeah, yeah. You, you you would you would spend the whole book and every conversation that he was having with everyone who was a victim and he was like you know being kind of cold to them yeah you you would think like well of course he's being cold to them you know i just feel like it might have been and maybe it's not realistic i don't know if he was crafted as a more sympathetic likable character for that to undermine him would have been more effective to me than just like a straight line and then just falls off a cliff i guess so i mean what do you like what would you have him do like some, i don't know some acts of kindness have throughout the any text? kind of ca- charisma whatsoever. Like he like buys a kid some ice cream yeah chapter four i buy a kid ice cream and then he just goes and like gets a kid like some chocolate ice cream mm-hmm. and then and then we're like oh shit this guy can't do bad things he's an ice cream guy and then oh my god he raped a woman what about the ice cream yeah you're right book solved five-star book then Thank you for writing in, Meg. If you want to email in lottery at cageclub.me, cageclub. it might help if I said it right. We also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash lotterypod. Last week we did a bonus episode on The Fugitive. Next week we get a very special bonus episode I'm not going to tease yet. That uh, is going to be an ongoing thing of about 600 episodes. You don't want to tease it? Well, I'll, I'm saying it's it's an ongoing thing of about 600 episodes. Yeah. 
that are going to be at most every other week and realistically far more infrequent than that. I think, I think, no, I think, I think it'll be every other week, but I think what we should do is we can have this conversation off air, but we should like, you know, when, when we do the book fuck explosion episodes with the, Oh, do one as well. Yeah. Put, put it in there. So like we, when we do the one today, we'll talk about other stuff too. Okay. Yeah. Although I think the I think the first one, and you'll hear it next week if you join at patreon.com slash lottery pod, and also get early access to episodes, like everything like two about two weeks early or something. I think it also is a little bit of background with our familiarity with the subject in question, because mine is zero, but I don't know how much you know about this thing. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. The first one, but I do think that like next book we do is Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. And that's made into a movie. So you think that when we watch the movie and talk about the movie for the Patreon, we also do this thing yes. on top of that. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. this is, I, I, especially, it's not going to take terribly long. These uh, these things, these episodes should be five minutes, maybe. When, when maybe, we do maybe this longer. kind of thing we'll for see. Too Fast, Too Forever, they wind up being, depending on what the subject in question is, and I'm keeping it very vague, is between five and 15 minutes or 20 let's, minutes Let's maybe. never mention what the subject is outside of the Patreon so that people have to like yeah. be like, what the what what are you talking about? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Patreon.com slash lottery pod. Figure it out. Yeah. Suckers. Also, Bob will beat up your dad. Oh, yeah. For do ten, some, I think for 10 grand. Do some dentistry. 10 grand. Yeah. Amateur dentistry. Tutor you. I'll tutor you. That's that's true. You, you If you need to. Wait, the other ones are not true? If you No, but the other ones are less likely to actually happen because I don't, they're, they're prohibitively expensive. And also I, I retain right of refusal for those as well. Okay. But tutoring, I'm not retaining right of refusal. If you pay for that, I'll tutor you in English. Yeah. It's cheaper than getting a regular tutor and I'm probably more qualified. Mm, maybe. Oh, uh, you know, this book put me over ten thousand pages for the year, and we're in, we're still in August. So, you you yeah yeah cool. You really up my ante this year. Yeah, we're we're moving right along. I've got uh, I think I'm at like thirty thousand pages or something like that. Yeah, okay, brag. Yeah, I don't, I'm still I'm still fourteen books behind in my goal on Goodreads for for like fourteen books slow. Like you know, that. I I emailed Goodreads. And I was like, hey, I think you should do like a page count goal instead of a book count goal. They're like, good idea. Maybe we'll do it. And then I never heard back from them again. Yeah. I was like just going to criticize you for having told me that story multiple times before. But then I realized that. You're talking on the pod. Yeah. You're like saying that so that other people can hear it. And we're not just having a one-on-one conversation here. Well, we are. It's just going out to the world. Yeah. The world. And until next time, keep reading. No. Yeah, I thought, well, I'm glad that you didn't, like, try to go back to your other terrible catchphrase. No, 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 no. Gonna, what, what was it? It was like, it was like, uh, keep uh, the racial slur. Uh, no, it was sexist slur. Sexist slur. Okay, yeah. It's from a Bond movie. Go watch Die Another Day. You'll figure it out. Don't go watch, don't go watch Die Another Day. It is the worst James Bond movie. Um, anyway, today's crime is practicing dentistry without a license. Dedicate one to the lady. Summertime said, babe, need something to keep you cool I'm now summertime said, babe, need something to keep you cool Better look out now, though, Dave's got something for you Tell you what it is, I'm your ice cream man Stop me when I'm passing by